Welcome to Design Your Destiny, your podcast for tapping into the power of your subconscious mind. In this next few minutes, allow me to show you how to tap into that power so that you can create success with ease, form deeper connections, and have greater presence in your relationships, and most importantly, find peace within yourself. My name is Penny Chason, and I'm your host. Today we're talking about relationships, reciprocity in relationships, and how I find there is a simple misperception that is at the root of a lot of the issues my clients experience. Not always, but a lot of them, and it's actually going to surprise you I think. We have relationships everywhere. We have a relationship with ourselves. If you're in an intimate partnership, you have that relationship, the relationship with your parents, your siblings, your boss, your employees, everyone around you. We have relationships. And these relationships are based upon our past. I've been seeing some really interesting conversations take place lately around our children, our children a reflection of the parents, things along those lines. And in one of these conversations, I replied that, you know, yes, kids are 100% a reflection of their parents, even if they are the complete opposite of their parents. And the reason for that is the way that a child shows up in the world and as they grow into adulthood, the way that they show up in the world is a reflection of their perceptions based on their relationship with their parents. Let's just for a moment take an extreme example because I I think it will make it relatable. Take a family where one parent is an alcoholic. Maybe they're an angry drunk. The other parent does everything that they can to be the peacekeeper. And the children in the family are witnessing this entire dynamic play out. The angry alcoholic in the peacekeeper. The kids in that family, there can be two extremes. One kid can be so traumatized by the experience that when they get older and they can't cope with life, they end up becoming an alcoholic. And it's not one bit because the parent was an alcoholic and they thought, oh, geez, I want to grow up and be an alcoholic one day. Hey, no. It's because they learned that as a coping mechanism. It's not because they wanted it. They witnessed you get stressed. This is what you do. Another possible interpretation of that is they watch the dynamic of the angry alcoholic and the peacemaker. And maybe the peacemaker takes a lot of abuse, verbal, mental, emotional, whatever, 
that child could simply think, you know what, I am never going to get walked over like that. And even if they don't become an alcoholic, maybe they really dive into work or something else. And they end up having that same firm, hard, unflexible, unbending, angry disposition as the angry alcoholic, even though they're not alcoholic, because their perception of what they saw was being the peacemaker was weak, and they're not going to get walked all over. The child could look at the angry alcoholic and look at the peacemaker and say, you know what, I am never going to be like the angry alcoholic. This over here feels safer, more pleasant. I'm happy when I'm with the parent who's the peacemaker. So they naturally tend to go that way. And this person's perceptions, and we're talking subconscious here, we are not talking conscious decisions because the foundations of our personality are formed by the time we are seven years old. So if you're sitting here and you're consciously analytically thinking, oh, well, you know, Penny, I had this situation, I do this and I do that, and that's because I made this decision. Yes, you made that decision, but you made that decision based on the filters of the child. And what happens when you hit a stress point? What's going on on inside? What is going on inside when you hit a stress point? Are you reacting? Are you responding? Do you have a baseline feeling that, you know, where you're on edge? That do you go through life thinking at any moment the rug could be ripped out from underneath you? I mean, all of these things, they come from our past. So then when we interact with other people, our subconscious mind has formed this basis of reality that this is what life is like. So if someone who grew up in a family where there's an angry alcoholic and there's a peacemaker, and then they end up marrying somebody who grew up in a family where there was actual open communication, the family sat down, the parents sat down, they discussed finances. If there was an issue, they had a chat and they came together. These two people go into a relationship and one's going to be like, hey, why won't you communicate with me? And if, you know, they're like, we need to communicate, we need to talk about this. But if this person is, say, they take after the parent who's the peacemaker, they just become passive. And it's like, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. And then there may come a point where this person's like, I never feel heard. I'm not getting what I need in this relationship. And then the person who's asking for the communication and the peacemaker is saying whatever you want, they may think everything is going fine. And then suddenly one day they wake up and find that they're very far apart. They can't relate anymore. These things also carry over in the way that we can handle our workplace, uh, our employees, And I think that once we recognize that our challenges in our present-day relationships can be related to old things in the past that we need to just kind of accept and not accept saying they're okay. 
I'll, I'll loop back around to this in a minute. Just stay with me. If that statement bothers you and triggers you, just stay with me. I'm going to come back to it. But if we can just accept that the things happened in our past and that we don't have to allow that to impact our present and we do the healing work to really take the fuel of emotion out of that event because it is the emotion tied to that event that that causes any present day issues. It's not just the awareness. And see, this is where acceptance comes in. Acceptance doesn't mean that you condone or approve of anything that happened to you. It's an acceptance that, yes, this thing happened to me, and I choose to move on from it. I choose to learn my lesson and move forward. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've completely lost my train of thought because I did not intend to go down the acceptance rabbit hole, but I think I kind of gave you a a good grasp of how someone could go from one extreme to the other or could end up anywhere in the middle with those parents and how it influences our other relationships. Now, one of the other, this is actually one of the most common misperceptions that if I'm working with a client around self-love or they have what they self-identify as abandonment issues, acceptance issues, being visible, those kinds of things, fears of not being accepted, oftentimes the misperception that needs to be corrected is a mismatch of love languages. So if you've never read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I really highly recommend it. Um, I believe the original book was The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. And it's about intimate relationships. But we also have to think about this in terms of parent-child relationships. So if you have children especially really young children, I really want you to listen up here because this will be a game changer in your child's life. So people have different needs when it comes to love. Some people like to hear compliments. I love you. You're special to me. Other people find quality time important. They just need to spend time with someone. Other people receive love through the receiving of a gift. Other people will have their love needs met through acts of service. And then the last one is physical touch. Or in the case of intimate relationships, intimate touch. I've worked with several clients over in the EU. And almost all of these clients, their parents were children of survivors of World War II. I want you to think about this for a moment. These people who survived World War II, they were literally surviving putting their world back together. 
So when they had children and when their children were young, there was not a lot of time to spend the quality time and to take the time for words of affirmation, the acts of service, because survival was of utmost importance and that was their sole focus. So the children did not get that loving, touching, upbringing. It was all about how do we survive? And for the parents who had survived the war, their act of service, their demonstration of love is that they were doing everything that they could to make sure that their child's basic needs were met. So what did these children learn? They didn't learn affection. They didn't learn how to communicate, I love you, right? They didn't learn quality time. They learned hard work, keep your head down, be productive. Those were the things that were important. Excelling was important. So with a lot of these clients, and this is not exclusive to people I've worked with in the EU, but I find it a lot. This is the prime example that I have seen consistently. When we do the work to heal this disconnection in relationships, oftentimes it goes back to their parents And through this process, you know, they come to their own insight and their own realization that their parents were, you know, doing what they had been taught to do. That you work hard, you build a future, you know, and that their own parents were not taught. They didn't have examples for affection. They didn't have examples for showing love. They didn't have examples for that quality time together. So if someone was never taught, if someone had zero example in their life of how to be affectionate, of how to communicate their love and affection for someone else, how were they going to figure it out? Right? And so these powerful insights have allowed my clients to have a compassion and an understanding for their parents. Not that it changed the past, but on a subconscious level, it shifted the emotion they had carried their entire life about what they perceived their parents really thought. And then now they're able to look at it from a different point of view and go, oh, Now I get it. They just simply didn't know better. They were doing their best. Did I get the love and attention I wanted? No, I didn't get it the way that I wanted it. But they were doing their best to show it to me in the only way they knew how. And that changes everything. So if you have small children, and even if they're not small anymore, but this is very important with small children, Pay attention to what your child needs. You may have a child that physical touch, like sitting in your lap, being held, is their love language. That's the way they want to receive your love. 
for other children. They may want to hear you tell them, I love you. You're beautiful. You're smart, right? That may be their love language. It might be quality time together. Maybe they just want to be in the same room with you. It could be receiving gifts or it could be acts of service, right? Doing things for the kid, you know, building building the dollhouse for them or going out and building the tree house together. Your child's love language is not necessarily the same as yours. And this mismatch in love languages creates a misperception because the brain is not having its needs met the way that it's wired to have its needs met, right? So then the brain is like, I'm not getting what I need. Even if the parent is showering the child with love, if the brain is not recognizing that as that need being fulfilled, there's going to be the misperception that it does not exist. Okay, well, I think I'm going to end up doing a second episode down the road around relationships because I really wanted to talk about reciprocity. I'm just going to leave you with this thought because we're getting close to 20 minutes and I really did not want this episode to be this long to begin with, but I love to talk. I can't help myself. Um, Well, I could, but I just enjoy it. Reciprocity in relationships has to do with showing up 100%. You show up 100%. And I'm definitely going to talk about this in another episode because boundaries is a piece of showing up 100%. So I'm just going to leave you with that teaser. We will circle back to this in a future episode. I hope that you have enjoyed this chat. I would love to know your comments So by all means, I would love for you to screenshot you listening to this episode on your favorite podcast platform, share it to your stories in Instagram, and tag me at penny.chason, and just put what you thought right on your story. Of course, always, we love, we, 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 me and my team I love your reviews, uh, but the team loves them as well. So I'll catch you next time. Bye now. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Design Your Destiny, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. When you leave a positive review, it's like podcast currency, and we can increase our reach and get the message to even more people that they, just like you, have the ability to design their destiny. And remember, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.